we're going to see a lot of changes in this ecosystem very soon. Activity with words that we see and we hear and in which dialect, from which human, the future will have so many different components like this. I think let's say five, seven years from now, we'll be shocked about all this data that we're not collecting or we're not doing something with that is just quote unquote being lost. Um, I think thinking about what sound is and isn't. I love being surrounded by brilliant, hardworking people who are willing to challenge me and put the time in to make these things happen. Welcome to the Sound and Marketing Podcast. Today's episode is the second half of my interview with Dr. Joan Palminer Bajoric of Women in Voice. We talked about where the voice industry is and isn't, and where we believe it's going. We talked about allyship and what that means and looks like in helping build up the voice community as a whole, voice conferences, the good and the bad, hardware and software companies beginning to both align with the importance of voice, the quality data in and out based on more appropriate models, representation of different people and cultures, the interactivity of words, and the opportunity to be on the build side in this rapid change of human-computer interaction. I think that's a big part of it is that we need to empower each other. Because um, like I said, I worked in admin and the last three executives I worked for, I believe three, were all women. And um, they didn't play well with other women. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, it was it was a, it, not a hostile environment, but it was definitely like I was not that I was going to try and further myself in admin, but I definitely wasn't going to be able to because they weren't going to let me. And I, I think that that's a huge disservice for everyone. Um, you know, every everyone needs to give everyone a chance. We need to work together. We're living this life. We're living in this world together. Let's live it together. Yeah, no, I... I'm, I'm terribly sorry for that experience. It sounds deeply unpleasant. It made me stronger. So it's all, and it, and it made me, it made me upset enough to do something about it. I think that's basically what ended up happening was that I saw this and I was like, this is not cool. Um, yeah. And well, I'm going to move out of it. Instigator for change, right? I mean, I think, I think back to the moment that I was, I literally launched Women in Voice, you know, mission statement, <laughs> Twitter handle, logo. Um, but I was like, if I don't do it, will it not manifest? Mm, I I was like, there's these women who don't believe in themselves. They are held back. Like they're mentally restricted. Um, I don't, I I can't sit back. What what am I doing if not, um, you know, I I felt extremely puny compared to these titans in our field that have been trailblazing since the Mm -hmm. 80s. Um, But if structurally they're not supported or even recognized for their accomplishments, I, I don't know. I felt that's one of the first things I did when I launched Women in Voice was ask for leadership support. I was like, I'm not. I, I want to <laughs> amplify that which already exists, um, you know. But but change some of the uh, the default norms. So here's here's a question for for the Women in Voice. Do you have any like representatives of like male or um, a minority like Asian or Hispanic or any of that? How does it look for your your leadership team for Women in Voice? Yeah, that's a great question. Well, we are about to, it's not public yet, um, but I will be announcing my chief inclusion officers. We currently are having so many different dialogues internally about the role of allies because it's actually been phenomenal, the number of men um, banging down our door being like, I'm in, how can I help? You know, um, men, especially in Madrid and London, have been really stepping up to help with our events there. 
Mm. I don't know if you saw, but we were hosted the BBC with this huge mm -hmm. spread, um, support monetarily and otherwise. Um, and so trying to think about currently our leadership, um, my executive team, the ambassadors in every city, leadership in general, are all um, women or non-binary gender identifying, to my knowledge. We are currently having a dialogue about what the role of allyship is. It's, <laughs> it's something we're just discussing and I, I can't say that I have an answer today, but I am just so thrilled. I guess Women in Voice is less than two years old. The number of emails I've gotten from men really kind of getting it. I think they're trying to figure out their role and what they can do and we're trying to figure out similar things. So I hope to continue processing that and, and seeing where that goes. That's exciting. And I, you know, like the, the other question that I asked, I don't think that there's an answer for anything mm -hmm. right now. It's just that we're having a dialogue, that we're talking about it um, and trying to find an answer to it. Yeah. And we may not ever come to it, but as long as we're trying to work out the problem and make uh, inclusion a thing, mm -hmm. make sure that everyone is included. I think that's kind of the name of the game is just keep pushing to make it better yeah. and do better. Well, I, I also, yeah, absolutely. Pushing it, making it better and listening. I mean, I talk, I make jokes every day about like localization is real. Like that, what works in Seattle does not necessarily work for our chapter in Japan doesn't necessarily work in Madrid or Mexico City, like you, you mentioned about, um, I think, color representation. And um, mm -hmm. like currently we don't track numbers of that specifically, but thinking about Asian representation and women of color representation in different respects. I mean, my leadership has pushed me about um, English and Spanish content. Um, mm -hmm. When we realized that there was a huge demographic of Spanish speakers we were not supporting in ways that we could. Um, mm. We're still so small and nascent, um, but I love them pushing me and saying, here's what we need to see. I'm willing to step up and put the work in so that our mentorship matching initiative can have a form fully supported in Spanish, right? Um, they're just, I love being surrounded by brilliant, hardworking people who are willing to challenge me and put the time in to make these things happen. I, I did want to get your your general uh, perspective on what voice looks like right now. Um, and I didn't know, because I, I did read your Medium article, I was wondering, did you go to CES in January in Vegas? Yes, I spoke twice at CES. And what was your, what was your take, takeaway from that? I mean, I certainly, I, I wrote a Medium part article and now I have three, three takeaways um, from being at CES. Google, um, as far as the voice field, Google had a huge presence at Voice at CES, kind of they, they're ready to make partnerships and friends. It's definitely not surprising. <laughs> uh, yeah, they're, well, it, the thing is, is that Amazon has been so um, present and so willing to partner and I think be more, let's try lots of things, let's throw projects at the wall and see what sticks. Whereas Google has been far more conservative and what people perceive is kind of slow moving. Um, I, I see them as doing some deep strategy um, internationally. They support all these languages and everyone tells me the user experience far surpasses Amazon products. It might be a more strategic rollout. Do you know what I mean? Like they're, they're different um, strategies. Um, yeah, CES is a very interesting conference, but maybe not my favorite conference of the year. I felt like there was a maybe 16 to one gender ratio. Mm. 
And I think maybe just the, maybe I'm just not a Las Vegas person. It's just like skyscrapers. I have to take lifts between. Um, but I felt that there are many different types of tech conferences and maybe the tech conferences I see of the future or the way I think about community is antithetical to the way CES is set up. I don't know. It's big and intimidating and intense, mm -hmm. even for those of us who are extremely confident and I think competent. Well, that convention center is huge. It is scary. My boss gave me ample heads up about um, that, but I think just my mental health <laughs> of recovering from that whole conference uh, <laughs> it took, took quite a bit of a, a turnaround to, to get back. But um, I think CES, you get to see a lot of amazing projects happen around you and the different people who choose to attend. I think what's interesting is a lot of people, when I asked, are you going to CES? Are you going to CES? And they're like, oh, that's a hardware conference. Like we're in software, hmm. um, which I thought was a very interesting piece of conversation because I voice summit, there are actually very few hardware companies that mm. come. Um, I think that seems slightly counterintuitive or I definitely talk to different research um, tech teams that are like, you know, we're building on an API. Why would we ever care about hardware? I think these, um, I think that will change in the future. I don't know if you saw uh, Sonos recently acquired SNPs. Yes, I saw that. Um, exactly. But I think some people are thinking these things through, but quality hardware significantly impacts user experience. That's a good point. That's a definitely good point. Oh, oh, yeah. oh I mean, I've seen studies about um, higher quality hardware almost eliminates gender bias and automatic speech recognition, but exacerbates socioeconomic status bias. Wow. Um, so we, or just, I don't, I don't know if you've seen my Harvard Business Review article, but I'm deeply passionate about what the tech currently supports and why, um, you know, just related to basic AI and bias of who's in the room designing and developing and who's our end user can have pretty profound impacts if we can't understand you. You'll have to send me that, send me that article and I'll link it in the show notes. Oh, I'd be glad to. Yes, yeah. please. Yeah. Um, it's called Speech Recognition Still Has Significant Race and Gender Bias, I think is the title of the article. I want it to be spicier, but thank you, Harvard <laughs> Business Review. But it just <laughs> basic stats um, of external research that's been done on um, the one specifically I look at is the Google API and um, just the difference between a white male, white female, woman of color, um, and just big breakdowns in the quality of our accuracy, basically. Um, and that's one of the best performing APIs in the world. I wonder if they would um, ever design something, because I know that people that are hard of hearing or older people don't hear female voices as well as they hear male voices because the, the frequency is too high. And I wonder if there's a way to correct that in... How, the tech, I don't even know how this works, but like mm -hmm. to make it more, less inclusive bias. Oh, bias. There you go. Yeah. To, to include or disinclude biases towards people hard of hearing or elderly. I mean, I, I think thinking about who your end user is and how to support it best, um, how to support them best. Mostly the biggest problems, you, you're right, there are differences in frequencies and literally the acoustic signal um, mm -hmm. is different in different people, but the way we can design, um, I don't know if you've seen like soapbox labs, but like specifically designing ASR for children, for example, or I, I talk to a lot of teams who are like, oh, we, we couldn't make things better. I don't know what you're talking about. And I say, well, my target demographic is, you know, a 12-year-old bilingual girl. 
how will your system need to change to support her and only her? Right. And they go, Oh, wait a minute. Okay. Our backend needs to be totally reconfigured. The type of hardware might be different for the fidelity of the speech signal. Like there's all these different quote unquote changes that would need to happen to support other types of users. So honestly, quality data in and quality data out is what I'm, I'm currently deeply advocating for. What are we basing our models off of? I think is extremely important and, and very much underappreciated right now. Yeah, and I think now is the time to do that sort of thing, to advocate for it, because um, there's there's no like hard set rules set in place. The ethics haven't been defined. Mm-hmm. This is so brand new that now is the time that me, that people need to speak up and say, hey, this needs to be a factor every time, you know? Right. Well, and the thing is, it's so interesting. No one wants to go to my sessions on, you know, bias right? Like if you go to a conference, like no one's interested in the bias uh, conference session potentially, but they are very, very interested in the, I will cut costs or your end user, like retention of users. My PhD advisor always told me the word bias, not sexy. The word (laughs) money, very sexy. When I talk about cost and um, Melinda Gates talks a lot about um, bias and how it affects purchasing power Mm. that women have. Mm -hmm. Um, If it's not working for the person who has the purchasing power, you know, I have a a colleague in California who is originally from Spain and he has certainly buying power to purchase, you know, fancy voice IOT. Um, But he's told me like, oh, I wouldn't even consider purchasing it because I know it doesn't work for me. Mm. Um, He literally, he and his wife are looking at smart fridges. Mm -hmm. And I just think about the growth index in Florida and Texas and California and the type of users that I want to be buying my stuff (laughs) Um, and thinking about just these different numbers end up being huge dollar signs. And so I think kind of flipping the narrative and being like, I'm Mark, here's who I'm marketing to, here's who I'm thinking about. um, And is it going to be working for them? And if it's not, will I retain them as users? I think is a different way to play that game. When I was at the Podcast Evolution uh, conference a little bit ago, there was an app that was introduced that came across as like an interesting partnership between a podcasting network in, oh gosh, in South America somewhere (laughs) and and with a hardware company. So basically the podcast network or the show was called Radio Ambulante. I'm going to say that wrong. I'm sorry. Ambulante. Ambulante. Uh, that one, they they start. They basically would tell like narrative stories, real stories from any Spanish speaking person. So it was from all over the world. So it wasn't just Mexican. It was you know Spanish. It was you know wherever they speak uh, Spanish, and mm-hmm. it would be in that person's dialect, which was mm-hmm. different to to harder to ingest for certain people. Just like you know accents and everything in the U.S. Um, some are thicker and some are sweeter and it's just a different different sound but it was very important for them for the person to tell the story in their own dialect and what they found was there was 20 percent of their audience that they were not counting on they were non-spanish speaking they were trying to learn spanish and so a lot of educators were using this um, podcast to introduce spanish in different dialects to their students and so what they were ending up doing was because uh, it was when people were listening to podcasts on websites or on um, desktops, 
Mm-hmm. And they would have about three different tabs up. They would have the tab up for the actual podcast that they were listening to. Then another tab that would have like uh, translation. And then another tab for like, you know, tricky words that were like slang or something like that. Yeah. So they were flipping through all these tabs while they're watching or listening to this podcast. And so what the podcast found out was they're like, okay, well, we have this 20% that, you know, want to explore it better, but they can't. So they partnered with this um, this uh, this app called Lupa. And what Lupa does is it 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 shows the, the the dialogue or the transcription as you're listening to it. You can slow it down, speed it up. Uh, it'll highlight like in green or something like that words that are like, um, what are they called? Vocabulary words, things mm-hmm. that you should like look into more. Um, other, they'll, they'll highlight things if it was just like somebody going like, 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 you know, that it wasn't actually part of the narrative. It was just a filler word. So it gave you this opportunity. And then it, I don't know, I, I kind of went on on a tangent, but I think it was just like trying to speak to everyone. I think that was my point that I was Absolutely. going into. Well, and I think the way um, I really advocate for multimodal and what I'm even hearing from you is that there's like, we hear these words, we see these words, these words are tagged as something meaningful to us. Maybe they're even color blocked. Like I really see the world being like, you know, ambient voice around us, mm-hmm. but to like see it, like, I don't know if you've seen with um, YouTube, where if it's in English, there's a Google API behind it that writes out captions. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can literally click the words and it'll take you to the place in the video where that word was said. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this the way of this interactivity with words that we see and we hear and in which dialect from which human, the future will have so many different components like this. I think we, let's say five, seven years from now, we'll be shocked about all this data that we're not collecting or we're not doing something with it. It's just quote unquote being lost right now. Like, I don't know if you've seen the company Rammer AI, um, but they're working on an API that's built into everything. Go to meeting, Zoom, and then they'll like, (laughs) it it ambiently hears and then it, it makes action items and like sends them to your email afterwards in many different contexts. Hmm. So um, I think thinking about what sound is and isn't, especially (laughs) from a sound engineer or podcaster perspective, um, we're going to see a lot of changes in this ecosystem very soon. Yeah, I agree. And, uh, you know, uh, with the inclusion of smart speakers or becoming more prevalent, I've, I've spoken about this before. I got one because I was doing this podcast and I was like, I should figure out what the frick this is because I've never used these before. <laughs> and so like my daughter, she's almost five. She totally adopted it. It was easy mm-hmm. for her. Yeah. And um, my son can't quite say Alexa, so he can't get her to do what he wants. So it's very frustrating. But um, it's I find it fascinating that items like that were developed and created that were not actually serving a need, in my opinion, but it became that. So it was like this like creature comfort thing that people wanted, you know, and it was basically, and this is how I started using it, was just to listen to music or do a grocery list or whatever. Um, but there's so much more to it and people have not discovered it yet. And um, I, I agree with you. I think that the next five to seven years is going to be fascinating that we're going to have ways to um, learn about each other and... Uh, communicate in just crazy new ways it's going to be crazy yeah I definitely I think about myself as like the wonkiest power user like going into google docs and like doing 
testing out their API as they change the dictation tools. <laughs> like, why are we writing emails anymore? Mm. Um, you know, these type of things are that, that your kids are trying new things. Like I, I hear stories of kids walking up to screens and like, Alexa, you know, change the channel, like assuming these user expectations mm -hmm. of what the tech should already be able to do. Yeah. Um, and I think, I don't know, I try new things and people are like, oh, you would do that? You would try that out? Wait, that actually worked? Mm. Um, and I talk about how could we complete, I have a new Adobe, um, article coming out with Adobe about, you know, if I were to ask something of your company, can I complete a transaction to purchase the thing, you know, via voice and mobile? right? Like, are you prepared for this kind of revolution that I think you mentioned, you talked to Susan Westwater, but mm -hmm. she certainly sees that world also, uh, the voice of your brand, right? Marketing and those transactions, again, that end up being dollar signs. Right. Right. And that shouldn't be our motivation, but it is. <laughs> well, I, you do have to pay the bills at the end yes. of the day. No, I clearly, I mean, um, I'm not all in it for the money. I feel like someone asked me that recently. They're like, oh, you're in voice tech. You must be really excited to become really famous and really rich. And I was like, that is literally, <laughs> utterly, I am so much more, like the human computer interaction is radically changing. And I get to potentially be on the build side and pushing our world forward in that respect. Like, and that's exciting. That's whoa, really cool. isn't that fantastic? It's so cool. I'm very excited. Um, <laughs> it's, it's just so nascent, you know? There's these big bubbles. Um, you mentioned thinking about what outliers the book means or doesn't mean. And I think uh, we're on these forefronts. There's like tsunamis uh, coming towards us of user behavior and, you know, people questioning what's going to happen, clunky apps and then a flood of adoption that we saw with mobile mm -hmm. that's happening with voice. And that's with anything, with any new product. It's mm -hmm. going to be clumsy at the beginning because we're figuring it out. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. The first it's... iPods, right? Oh, <laughs> gosh, all, yeah. Oh, my gracious. And now everyone, you know, ubiquitous smartphones. Uh-huh. And the iPod um, is gone. <laughs> <laughs> my, my dad still has one, but yes. <laughs> I um, still have my little iPod shuffle. I love it for running because it's so light and he just yeah. clips on. They don't oh, make them anymore, I don't think, but no, I really no. like that. You go to eBay for those. Oh, yeah, of course. Of course. <laughs> what would you say is your favorite voice uh, conference or convention or something of the year? Like, what do you look forward to? What's a good place for people to, like, really see what's coming? I think if you're from the big business, anyone who's anyone should be at Voice Summit as far as I'm concerned. You're welcome, Pete Erickson. Uh, but Women in <laughs> Voice is having a conference um, July 8th and 9th this year. It's not public yet, uh, but we will be having a small conference here in Seattle um, in July. So at least keep it on your radar. I think it really location specific and depending on your vertical, there's so many things that are specific to, you know, specific to healthcare, specific to education um, that are phenomenal networking. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, it's it's kind of all encompassing. So yeah. It, <laughs> it can be really intense and overwhelming and then uh -huh. and sometimes you don't meet the person you actually wanted to meet. Right. So. <laughs> but maybe you meet somebody better. You never know. <laughs> I think just being open to finding partners and allies in so many different places. And then uh, to close it out, what would you say to a woman that is starting to get fascinated in the world of voice, whatever that may look like, mm -hmm. that may be the tech side, that may be um, voice actor, that may be anything. What would you say to someone who hasn't quite 
figured out where they fit in yet. You do fit. Come join Women in Voice. Um, <laughs> and, and really, sky's the limit. You know, you don't have to just be a designer or a dev or a marketer or researcher, whatever the case may be. I think there's so many um, roles and skill sets that go across things and that are amorphous. Like we are currently building what the future of these teams will look like. So definitely um, a skill set that goes across things is wildly helpful. And how would one get a hold of you if they wanted to? My email is joanpba at gmail.com. Um, Women in Voice, you can also ping on our Twitter or LinkedIn. Make sure to say exactly why you're contacting in action items. <laughs> very important. I'm a very busy person. I, I have to filter, unfortunately. Well, that's good. I'm glad you're busy. <laughs> oh, oh, uh, yes. <laughs> Not a problem. Well, thank you so much, Joan, for joining me today. Absolutely. Uh, this has been wonderful, and I could talk to you for a really long time, but I know you're a busy person. So <laughs> well, thank you for having me. It's been lovely. Thanks so much for joining us on the Sound and Marketing Podcast. Stay tuned next week when I interview Pete Erickson of Modev and Voice Summit. We'll talk about the sound landscape as he sees it from his unique perspective. A great talk and some great events put on by him and his companies, including the Inside Voice Podcast. If you haven't heard any of their episodes yet, go now. It's great. I'll link them in my show notes. For more of the Sound and Marketing Podcast, don't forget to follow, subscribe, and share. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Pandora, and Stitcher. Reviews and ratings are always appreciated. To get in touch with Joan, you can email her at joanpba at gmail.com, or you can find her as well as all the wonderful Women in Voice information at womeninvoice.wordpress.com. I hope you're enjoying the Sound and Marketing Podcast. Don't forget to follow and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Pandora, and Stitcher. Reviews, ratings, and shares are all most definitely appreciated. For inquiries on producing and developing your own podcast, or for inquiries on sonic branding and sonic branding consultation availabilities, you can find me at Dreamer Productions. That's D-R-E-A-M-R productions.com, LinkedIn, and Facebook. You can also email me at Gina, J-E-A-N-N-A, at dreamerproductions.com. All links will be provided in the show notes. This episode was produced by Dreamer Productions and hosted, written, and edited by me, Gina Isham. We all make sounds. Let's make them on purpose. Let's make this world of sound more intriguing, more unique, and more and more on brand.